welcome to uh, the Sailorville podcast. I'm Stephen Moore, the Engage Network church planning resident, and I had the privilege of preaching from Romans chapter 12 on Sunday and handling the question, how do we handle being wronged? And so we're going to be following up with that just a little bit here this afternoon. And I've actually asked my mother-in-law, Diane DeClean, to come in and help me with this conversation. And I'm very glad that I can freely and willingly invite my mother-in-law in. And it's not because either of us feel that we have majorly wronged each other. At least I don't think so. There's, there's one situation, Mom, that did come to mind uh, where maybe it borders on being wronged in our entire family. You are known for your delicious, wonderful homemade cranberry sauce. And I like the cranberry sauce that comes right out of the can. And uh, it's borderline offensive in the family, I think. But my mother-in-law has maturely handled it. And at Thanksgiving, there's a little dish of the cheap stuff just for me. So that is very, very kind of you. So as we dive into this today, I've got just a, a couple of questions I thought we'd walk through. And the first one is just simply this. Uh, how do you sometimes struggle when you feel that you've been wronged? Or how have you seen others respond when they're wronged? And maybe I'll actually answer that a little bit myself first. I think that for me, if I feel that I've been wronged, even though, even though I've, I've been a Christian, I, I am a pastor, I still immediately feel that anger rising up. I feel self-righteous. I can't believe that somebody would do that to me. And uh, it, it shouldn't surprise me. It hasn't. It has happened many times, and it will happen many times more. Um, but I would say a sense of frustration, uh, a sense of defensiveness and self-righteousness um, almost immediately just clamors up in my heart. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was interesting when you sent that question to me, and you, you sent it as, what heart issues do you see? And I think that's a really important way to put it. Um, and it made me think that, you know, sometimes we have to start with, have I really been wronged? Mm-hmm. Or is it a misunderstanding on my part? And I was sharing with you, I received an illustration early on in biblical counseling training um, to help us think through and ask questions. And um, he gave us the illustration of a woman who came to church and her friend who she hadn't seen for weeks and weeks was there. And after the service, she saw her across the the church and she waved at her and her friend just put her head up quickly turned around and left the room and the first woman was like well you know (laughs) I thought we were friends that was so rude but she also remembered being encouraged go find out go talk to the person so she went kind of with the idea of going hey what's up here but Um, As she went across the room, she saw her friend leaving the ladies' restroom, and she said, Hey, I saw you and waved, and you just, like, spun around and left. She goes, You know, this is the weirdest thing. I haven't had a nosebleed since I was, like, in sixth grade. And suddenly, my nose started bleeding, and I quick left and and took care of it. Thank you so much for coming to ask. (laughs) And the first lady was like, Oh, okay, I wasn't really coming to ask. but, But she realized that, you know... Sometimes we need to ask some questions and not assume that we're being wronged. But, but there are times we, we really do 
um, feel like we've been wronged. And exactly what you said, we feel hurt, we feel, uh, in current terminology, we feel unseen and diminished and those kind of things. But it, it just hurts. Mm. And so sometimes it's, it's hard for us um, to deal with that. And, um, and I think we need to realize as a heart issue, it's something I need to bring to the Lord and talk to Him about. Yeah. That's a really good illustration of those two ladies. And, and right away, the thing that I think of as I hear that story is it took a level of humility mm -hmm. uh, for, for the one friend to approach the other friend. And even as I was preaching on Sunday from that Romans text, uh, you see that, you sense that over there. He's talking about things that really require humility from us. And uh, being hurt, being wronged seems to almost immediately prick our pride, our, mm -hmm. our self-righteousness rears up. So uh, having that humble response certainly is is hard to do, but it can be a great benefit. Uh, so that's that's encouraging. That's a good word too to think about. Have we really even been wronged or, or was it something uh, as simple as a misunderstanding? So uh, maybe just a, another question to think about. You've already kind of uh, broached this subject a little bit, but if we have genuinely been wronged maybe it's not a misunderstanding and there's enough evidence there to to realize that the person is angry with us they're unhappy with us or maybe they are diminishing us whatever the terminology would be uh, what kind of truths do we need to speak to ourselves in that moment that's good i immediately have to remind myself of the truth that i know about god that this doesn't surprise him hmm. That God is sovereign. He's not um, forgetting me, that he does care, and he's with me. Probably one of the most familiar verses to me and to a lot of people comes from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Kind of giving the idea we will go through difficult times. But if we're a child of God, he's with us. Mm. And the other big thing for me is to talk to God about it. Um, I was reading an article by David Pallison, who is now with the Lord, but he's one of my favorite teachers in biblical counseling, on Psalm 10. And in it he says, talk to God, talk out loud, even talk loudly. <laughs> Many sufferers stay submerged in their thoughts and feelings and never break out into conversation. Too often, sufferers stifles broken prayer. Prayer means asking someone for help. God is a person. Talk to him. I thought that was really encouraging. Um, the other thing is that just came up this afternoon as I was reading James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So those are some of the things that are helpful to me. That's really good to, to think about articulating uh, the pain and the hurt back to God. Because because being hurt by someone hurts. Mm -hmm. It hurts to be hurt. If we're betrayed or if we're offended, and uh, there's a lot of worldly responses or unbiblical responses that just, well, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let that bother me. We all know the cliche, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I can't think of something that's more untrue yes. <laughs> than that statement, because we all know 
how much a, a word can hurt. So those actions really pain us. And just thinking of even the, the book of Psalms, we have so many examples in the scripture of somebody who is in deep hurt and deep suffering, articulating to God. It's, it's the inspired word of God. And uh, sometimes like those imprecatory Psalms where they're praying down judgment, you go, wow, this is recorded in scripture. And, and yet we have been given even principles in the word of God of how to bring our hurt, our pain, and even our anger back to him in a right way. Uh, just, just stuffing it down, pretending it never happened. Those are some really unhealthy choices to make. Uh, for, for me, as I think about it, uh, even the verse that we, we looked at on, on Sunday again, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul reminds and says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. And I shared that quote, and I, I think it might be Paul David Tripp, or maybe he was just quoting somebody else. He said, even if you're only 2% of the problem, be 100% responsible for your 2%. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's probably kind of a paraphrase of, of looking at Matthew chapter 7, where he says, consider what's in your own eye before you try to help your brother with what's in their eye. And that's a truth that I, I try. It takes a lot of humility. Again, I try to turn that back on myself and say, Okay, what, what did I contribute? How did I escalate this? How did I um, maybe get this hurt or this offense? Or, or, or how did I contribute to the conflict that is there? And uh, usually, I'm, I'm very quick to find out that I'm a whole lot more than 2% of the problem. And so responding and dealing, first of all, with the Lord and saying, Okay, Lord, I know this was my sin. This was my heart. And then even turning to the other person and saying, you know, I did handle that poorly. Will you forgive me? And uh, often I find that that is a very softening, uh, has a very softening effect. And Proverbs, of course, says a soft answer turns away wrath. So using the truth of the word of God to look into the mirror and say, how have I contributed? What should I or what could I have done differently is something that I that I often try to remember speaking that truth to myself. And so there's, there's many other things as well. Yeah. I think sometimes too, um, there's a, there's sorrow that goes with that. Mm. If we've been hurt by someone and betrayed by someone and we'll pull in and not talk to anyone about it and realizing that first and foremost, I need to talk to God about it. And some of the Psalms, you mentioned the Psalms, and it brought to mind Psalm 88, which a lady I was working with a few years ago, she goes, isn't that the bad Psalm? I said, no, honey, there's not a bad Psalm because God put it in his word, but it's so dark and it's so sad. And one of the translations, I think it's the NIV, ends with, darkness is my closest friend. And it made me think that, um, you know, sometimes we need to take a little time to lament. This, if I've been betrayed by a friend or if something terrible has happened, I need to give time to lament before the Lord and, and talk to Him about it. And I believe it was Ligon Duncan, I heard preach a message on that um, a few years ago, and he said, Psalm 88 is in the Bible because the Lord knew we would have days like that. Mm. And he wanted to speak to us. And in his word, you see that the psalmist 
is, it ends sadly. He doesn't end with those, you know, um, rejoice in the Lord, or it doesn't end with anything happy, but he's still talking to God. And I think that was such an important point that we need, we don't want to build our houses in sorrow, but we need to take time. And I have mistakenly, in counseling sometimes, tried to hurry people along to get them past being sad, and we're just going to keep going, and, and we need to allow people time to lament when something has been hard and difficult. But also give them hope that they are not alone, that God sees this and God cares because they belong to him. That's good. You know, I can't help but think of the fact that we're sitting here having this conversation and there's two of us here. Um, it's not a monologue. It's not one person saying, okay, here's how to handle being wronged. And I think that's another principle that's very important to realize is that a, a wise, godly companion and friend who you can have a, an appropriate conversation with uh, is just priceless in these situations. Not a, not a gossip chat, not a, I can't believe what they did to me, but, but somebody who you can open up to and say, this, this has hurt and I'm not sure how to handle it. How would you advise me? And I think that's where you know, the church, your, your small group, um, perhaps it's your spouse or perhaps it's a close friend that you know and you trust. These are individuals that hopefully can speak love and, and speak truth to us in those moments because left to ourselves in hurt, we can really get overwhelmed by it and we could have uh, very wrong responses to it. So sometimes in an appropriate way, um, we need to not only take it to the Lord, but take it to a trusted friend and advisor as well. I should have looked it up because you just brought to mind a verse from Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm -hmm. And so the kind of friend who will speak truth to you is the one that will help you the most in those difficult times and help you point you back to your hope in Christ, mm -hmm. which is where we all need to be looking. But when we're in pain, sometimes we have a hard time doing that. Well, the first two questions, one was just kind of a, a more personal question and, you know, how do we see people or how do we sometimes struggle when we're wrong? The second question, practically, what, what can we do or what are some actions? Uh, I have a question that I, I specifically thought of you and wanted you to be here to, to talk with me today because we know that the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, to love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And sometimes there are hurts, there are wrongs, um, that the best, the best thing to do would be to let love cover it. Let love cover that offense or that wrong. Um, but that's not always the case. There are wrongs and there are situations, there are things that people can do that should not be covered up. And I think it's a, a very sad reality facing um, the church today how many times things are coming out later that have been covered up or they have been glossed over and they shouldn't have been. Um, and I, I have had maybe just a limited experience of that in my time in ministry where it was the right and the appropriate thing to do to bring in other help, other counselors, maybe even authorities, mm -hmm. because this was just a wrong, an offense, um, an illegality or even abusive situation that should not be ignored or covered up. And I know you've spent 
time training and, and, and becoming a counselor. And I just wondered what perhaps your thoughts were on, on how to handle that kind of situation if you're looking at what is really a, yeah. a terrible situation. Yeah, and those are things we never want to take lightly. Um, we need to be reaching out. First and foremost, we're reaching out to God who sees everything and knows everything and cares most about us. But we also need to reach out to, if you're a part of a church, to reach out to your church leadership for help and wisdom. Because as you said, some things are not covered by love, but they need to be brought into the light. Um, sometimes we think keeping them hidden is really loving, but it's not. Because sin hidden in darkness isn't dealt with. But when it's brought into the light, um, it's actually the most loving thing to do for the person who is sinning against you right. to bring it to light so that they can get help. Because the help and the hope that all of us desperately need is Christ. And so if we hide that for someone, we're really not helping them. Um, sometimes we need to be reminded that it's for not just our sake that we reach out, but for the sake of the person sinning against us. Um, and you've heard the phrase that God uses means. So you reach out and you reach out for help. Um, Dr. Powelson in that same article said, as you seek the Lord, then you will find he provides many secondary helps to contribute to the overall process. There is a place to call the police, to press criminal charges, to pursue church discipline. The Lord is a refuge who leads us to rightly appropriate the many sub-redeemers who can play a part in our lives. <laughs> David uses a lot of big words, <laughs> but I still love him. Um, I would read an article by him and go, that is so profound, I need to pause and read it again. <laughs> but basically, God is the one who provides those people in our lives. And... You spoke from Romans 12, and if you go just a little bit farther into Romans chapter 13, mm -hmm. you find, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And then it goes on, and um, at one point, he talks about these authorities being God's servants for your good. And I think it's been a rough year mm. on many levels for all of us. So um, I think that is why, whether it's a civil authority or someone in, um, in the Christian world who fails us, it's so painful and so horrendous because they have been given responsibility by God. But because one or two do, it doesn't mean that they all do. Right. And there's so many servants of God out there that mm. are faithfully serving him in civil areas. And, and we do have help there. So we need to be willing to reach out when that help is needed. Mm. Um, to not um, be afraid to ask for help. Because you talked about humility. It's embarrassing sometimes for people to have to say... I really need help with this. I can't mm -hmm. handle this. Uh, and it's it's good for the body of Christ to step up 
and to reach out and to help one another. Um, some of us can just be, as you mentioned, a listening ear. Sometimes if a person's afraid to go and get help, say, hey, I will go with you. Yeah. You need to talk to the pastor. I'll be right there with you. I'll be, you know, sitting there with you. And uh, having that kind of um, person in the pew is really a help to the pastor, to a counselor as well, yeah. because there's no, they know there's someone there that will say, hey, did you, you know, take time to read that, what, what the pastor shared with you, you know, when they're struggling or whatever, and to, in a loving way, um, be there with them. But we want to not take lightly um, those serious things that go on in our world, and we realize that they do. And as a body of Christ, we want to be there for one another. And um, so one of the, the things that I don't know if I mentioned that, you know, you're seeking help, but especially if you're in physical danger, two verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 22.3 and 27.12 says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, mm. but the simple go on and suffer for it. So if you're physically in danger, you need to find a safe place to be, and then you need to reach out for help. Yeah. That's uh, an interesting phrase that the uh, David Powelson used there, the sub-redeemer. Mm -hmm. We talk about sometimes people having a savior complex, mm -hmm. and that's not a good thing. No. But I like the way he said a sub-redeemer. God in his sovereignty does use the means that he has mm -hmm. put in place, the authorities, the church, and good Christian friends. So that's, that's really thought-provoking. That's a good thing uh, to hear, and, and that's why I knew you'd have some good nuance on, nuance on this. You know, I said everything I had to say on Sunday. So uh, is there anything that you would, you would add as we kind of wind this down? Um, well, when you asked me about that, um, I remembered, like, oh, three years ago, I had written something based on something that I had walked through that was really painful for me. And though I know there wasn't any malice intended, still hurt yeah. a lot. And that will happen. That will happen in ministry. That will happen in churches. And I was struggling with how to handle it. And um, when I read through it again today, so I wrote a little article about it. Um, <laughs> When I read through it today, I had forgotten that I saw this little phrase on a Twitter feed. And I got to tell you, I honestly avoid Twitter pretty much like the plague <laughs> because I'll see something really sweet. And then if I open it up, it's like, oh, my goodness. And so I close it back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But this little phrase, it said. Nobody's ever been wronged on social media before, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I don't want to go <laughs> it just said, oh, Lord, you know. Hmm. And that just sparked a thought with me. So I wrote this little article. So I'm going to share that if you like. Uh, and I'm going to read it because I just want to uh, be clear and, and not stumble over my words here. Hmm. This little phrase came to mind on my drive to work Thursday morning as I wrestled through the memory of a recent painful event. A jumble of thoughts. But why did they, if only I had said, but what if I, and I don't understand this, were well on their way to starting a firestorm of emotion in me. As the heat began to build, the outpouring of these four simple words calmed my heart and redirected my thoughts. God does know. Yes, it was hard and it hurt, but they didn't mean any harm. Okay, even if they'd been thoughtless, remember Joseph? 
What his brothers intended for evil, God intended for good. More and more truth from Bible reading and study began filling my mind. A simple intervention of truth turned my soul away from the self-focused downward spiral I was on and directed me upward toward God and his word. Arriving at my desk a few minutes with a few minutes to spare, I looked up the phrase in my Bible search. Was this a part of a verse or a principle of truth from God's word? Turns out it's both. We know from a recent Bible study that one of the attributes of God is omniscience. He is all-knowing. But I also found Psalm 139.4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. That short reminder, something I'd seen days earlier on a Twitter post, wasn't all that I needed, but it started me back in the right direction using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6.17. No one set a better example of wielding the sword of the Spirit than Jesus in his temptation in the wilderness. And that's found in Matthew 4.1-11. Even though Satan was quoting from the Old Testament scriptures, he was twisting them for his own purposes. Jesus countered with truth as it was meant to be understood. We can't understand how to use God's word to grow in our love for him and to fight against sin if we don't spend time in it. More than just a verse here and there. That's why our pastors preach through passages of the Bible verse by verse and encourage us to be daily in God's word. Jesus' purpose in everything was to do the Father's will. What was my purpose in rehashing the events of the past? God's will or mine? God's glory or mine? It was very freeing to confess to God that I don't have to know all the answers because he does. And someday, when those memories try to ignite again, I know what to say. Oh Lord, you know. Diane, I think that's a really good word to end on. And I really appreciate you taking time uh, to come down here and have this conversation with Thanks me today. Me. Absolutely. There may be more that needs to be said or needs to be done after, but I think a great place to start is with the reality that we were just reminded of. The Lord knows and he cares when we're wronged and when we're hurt. That's comforting.